The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Elite. Our happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Feels more like September 8th outside, but that's okay. It's high of 77 degrees today in December. Uh, not too pumped about that, but it is what it is. I'm, I'll take it over uh, freezing cold and snow. I'll tell you that much, but hope you're all doing well on this Thursday afternoon. We have a bunch to go over today. It's a stacked show here on the line. And to start it out in hour number one, we've got Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 joining us in studio. Christian, it's been too long, brother. How are you? Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, should have been here on Tuesday. Uh, I will totally admit that I completely forgot to show up. So yeah, that's we, on me. We decided not to blast you on air. Carter asked, and I said, no, well. No, it would have well, been, yes, been fair if you did. It would have been fair if you did. Everybody knows me as the person who likes to put our guests on blast. <laughs> so, no, it is totally fine. We understand. It's a busy time, man. Believe me, we're busy, and we know that you are as well. So how's the, how's the job going? How is 247? Yeah, no, it's been really good. It's been, obviously, I mean, as you guys know, because you guys deal with the same stuff, it's been chaotic. You know, Hugh Freeze comes in, and shortly after that, you know, we've got the assistant coaching search. The transfer portal opened up on Monday. Uh, you know, high school recruiting coaches are going out on the road. You've got signing day uh, in less than two weeks now, actually. So Crazy, man. Yeah, it is uh it is insane right now. Yeah, well, phone lines are open uh, all day today. Later on in the second hour, it's Thursday, so we'll talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, get his thoughts on everything going on around the Southeastern Conference. But hour number one is going to be Auburn heavy. We're going to be talking with Chris or with uh, Christian Clemente about his thoughts on the Hugh Freeze hire, about the coordinators, about recruiting, and about the transfer portal because that's the talk of the town right now. And uh, we'd love to get your thoughts on all of that. If you have any questions for us or for Christian, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Christian, we'll get, we'll get right into it. Obviously, Hugh Freeze has been the coach at Auburn uh, going on two weeks now. What was your initial thoughts of the hire of Hugh Freeze and a couple of weeks into it? Do you feel the same way or has it changed up a little bit? Yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was a pretty good hire for Auburn just in terms of I feel like he's a winning coach. I feel like he can recruit pretty well in the SEC. You know, people ask me, Oh, how's the recruiting gonna be? Well, it literally couldn't have gotten any worse. <laughs> but I think yeah. it, I think to Hugh Freeze's credit, I think it did get substantially better, at least so far. It's so early on, we can't say that yet. But, you know, while there's some concern about, you know, they don't have a coordinators yet. At least you can say they're out on the road recruiting and doing positive recruiting, which the previous staff wouldn't have been doing if you know that was the situation they were in. Right. So I think, you know, the, the tough part for Auburn is obviously you can't dance around the issues that Hugh Freeze and the, has and the baggage that he brings mm-hmm. and you know where that puts the fan base. So that's that's tough from our perspective as reporters how to how to kind of deal with that, but. It, you know, personally for me, it's not my job to judge him. Um, and 
it's not my right to judge him either because I know I've made mistakes. He's made mistakes as well. So, you know, he's personally never wronged me. And so that that's just kind of the way it is. That's the way I look at it. It's, it's not really my job to kind of deal with that so far though. I think he's been pretty good. I think he's been good recruiting. I like the staff he's putting together. I know there's some concern right now about you know, there's not coordinators. They're not filling these positions. And I have some of those concerns as well, but when you look at Freeze's track record, he likes to go after young assistant coaches and build them up. And so far, you've already seen that with a guy like Jeremy Garrett, who's coming over from Liberty. Uh, ben A., who I'm not going to pronounce his last name as the tight ends coach. It, it, to me, when I look at it, I think it's got to be Igamawa. That's, that's probably right. That's but probably I'm, right. I'm, but... I'm not even going to try it. Yeah. And then Jake Thornton, who's one of the youngest assistant coaches like in all of college football on the offensive line. So mm-hmm. I like the the blueprint that he's putting together there. Uh, I think some of the you know some of the names we've heard from for other spots that need to be filled sound pretty promising as well. So um, you know, but as 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 far as as recruiting goes, are you saying that? Head coaches should be on the road and go to actual high schools because I know that that's that's something that's been <laughs> lost here in Auburn for the last couple of years. Yeah, no, it was kind of a f- lost art here, a little bit forgotten. But uh, Hugh Freeze has brought that back, and I think that's been encouraging. I think Auburn, um, you know, Auburn had Super Seven at Jordan Hare Stadium last week, and Auburn made it a priority to treat those coaches really, really well, make sure they were taken care of. Mm-hmm. They had a private party at Baumhauer's. There were like over 150 coaches there. Mm-hmm. Just for that, not even the coaches that were you know, coaching in Super 7. They just mm-hmm. invited everyone to come down, and so that was a good chance for them to meet Hugh Freeze. And now once the dead period ended, they've been out on the road, especially in the Atlanta area, the Alabama area, making sure that they reestablish those relationships, right the wrongs of the previous regime, and kind of move forward. And something that I think that's interesting about the staff, which may be an advantage for where they need to attack recruiting right now, is you haven't filled out the entire offensive staff. You know the offensive line is such an important position to to recruit right now, and because you haven't filled out that staff, you're you're able to have Jake Thornton on the road, and then Mm -hmm. Joe Bernardi... The offensive line analyst as well and I think that's kind of an advantage oh yeah for sure well lots more to talk about uh with Chris and he's joining us for the entire first hour let's get to the phone lines 334-321-1390 Ed you're on the line man welcome in hey guys uh, uh, hey um oh, first off I wanted to tell you I really appreciate y'all taking calls because uh for three hours, the show that comes on before here, it wasn't nothing but infomercials. It's, you know, a 15-minute infomercial and and a bunch of hosts of podcasts. Anybody can get that or just interviews, but you can get that off podcast. But is that what this show is going to? Is that what this station's going to? Uh, I'm not sure, Ed. I mean, we're not. I mean, we're you know, we're we're the same thing we've always been, man. We're we're gonna. I know. Well, yeah. So well, uh, I love y'all. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm just saying. I, I mean, enough's enough with this, Doug. I mean, for, for real, enough's enough. He says all he talks about is him, 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 him. But I, I wanted to ask you uh, mm-hmm. back to sports. Um, uh, what what. What have you heard about? Uh, all right, Deion Sanders filling out a staff. Anybody should be able to fill out a staff. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think about? Uh, you know, I've been told that nobody in the uh, in the in, in the national championship, that you know, the final four, mm-hmm. 
nobody in there that Auburn's looking at. Can you mm-hmm. tell me the, the ineptness, ineptness so far? Of, well, I mean, what's going on with, with Auburn in, in, in coaches? He should have had, he should have had, a, you know, every coach does, a, you know, a, a bunch of candidates. What what do y'all think is taking him so? And if and I heard this also what, on a national show. What is more important, hiring coaches out? You know, blah blah blah. You got to have the in college. You need yeah. to have the coaches. And you know, because a lot of these kids, they're not all all about you know. NIL, they want to know who they're going to be playing for. They're going to know what's going on. Can y'all tell me what has been, what is the hang-up with uh, Breeze in, in hiring coaches? Ed, Ed, I personally think that right now there is an emphasis on getting out on the road and re- recruiting because Hugh Freeze knows how important it is to get people into this program because there's going to have to be such a turnover. You're going to have to add 35, 40 guys probably. And I think that he also is aware of the fact that, look, when he names a coordinator, that decision needs to be right because the coordinator is going to be at Auburn for three to four years probably. And so you, at least, and so you need to get that right. And so I don't have an issue with him taking a little bit more time on that. No, 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 no. I I disagree with you one hundred and you know well that's one hundred percent. That's that's you're right, Ed. One hundred percent. You have got to get the coaches. These kids want to know who they're playing for, which is all fair. Of these coach, all of these coaches should have an index roller decks just full of of coaches. They should get, and 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 you use the assistants to get the kids. I think I think it's a big mistake by by Freeze, and that that's just my opinion. No, well, guys, and, y'all have a good day. Yeah, appreciate your call, Ed. We always uh, appreciate hearing from you. I, I get Ed's concern, and I don't think he's alone. I, think, I right? think it's a worthy concern. I think it absolutely is. But I do think that right now, in my opinion, I think the emphasis on is getting out on the road, recruiting, and make sure that you can get as many guys because. Signing day is in what thirteen days, mm-hmm. and the transfer portal just opened. You need to get working on on turning over the roster. I think that has taken that has taken a precedence over making the coordinator hire. Because also, offensive coordinator is Hugh Freeze. I right. it's Hugh Freeze. I mean, it's it's you can have a good idea of who it's going to be, and you can share that with with recruits. Yeah, I don't think offensive coordinator. I would agree with that. That doesn't concern me too much because you know these guys know Hugh Freeze is going to be at least heavily involved in the offense if he's not calling the plays already. Uh, to Ed's point, I would be a little concerned personally. I'm just a little concerned about defensive coordinator because in terms of yes, you definitely want to be out recruiting, but you'd love to have a defensive coordinator out recruiting, right? Um, and you know, especially if it's a guy like a Travis Williams or something like that who has a lot of connections in this area, has been at Auburn before widely regarded as a really elite and dynamic recruiter you'd like to have him out on the road um and you haven't yet but you know we there's nothing you know we we don't know these guys yet we don't know right how the process has been going personally i think auburn was weighed in on barry odom a little bit uh, the arkansas defensive coordinator who ended up taking the job at unlv as the head coach um i think you know i think auburn was waiting for him and now they're kind of pivoting to some other guys a little bit um and so 
that's where it's at. But that's what I think. You know, it's it's been tough for us to get information because it's a new staff. We haven't built up connections yet. And so, you know, we just we report on what we know. And that's kind of where things stand. Obviously, you'd love to have a defensive coordinator at recruiting. But um, you, you have a guy like a Zach Etheridge. Um, now you'll have Crime Dog going out on the road. You've got Christian Robinson. You've got Jeremy Garrett. You have a pretty good foundation of the defensive staff that's able to recruit. So while there is some very warranted concern from Ed and from other people, um, that, that's just kind of the way things stand right now. Yeah, and it makes sense, right? I, I understand, and I'm with, you know, not to be not to be sitting on both sides of the fence here, but you understand Hugh Freeze coming in and understanding how important it is and how immediate it was or had to be to be out on the recruiting trail because of how far behind Auburn was and how little time they had to make up for it, right? So you understand why that is the mindset. But also, yeah, that's exactly right. Christian and Ed is you got to have your coordinators so you can use those guys to recruit. And so kids will know who they're actually coming to play for. Uh, So, uh, you know, this is one of those situations where you can understand both sides and I was talking with Bill Cameron, host of The Drive, and we were talking last night at our company Christmas party. It's like we've never seen a coach really go this long after being named the head coach without having a coordinator in place from both sides of the football. So it just doesn't happen a whole lot. But hopefully the reason Hugh Freeze is taking so long is to find the right guy, is to find the right fit, and and hopefully it all works out in the end. But I don't think Ed is alone in the concerns about Auburn not having a defensive coordinator. But like Christian and Carter have said, the offensive coordinator is really not as important because Hugh Freeze is calling plays, guys. He said he might not in the press conference. I don't think with with not having an offensive coordinator now, that tells me Hugh Freeze is going to be calling plays. I I think as soon as you saw Phil Longo go to Wisconsin, the Mm -hmm. idea of anyone else calling plays probably went out the window. Um, because I think if Phil Longo came, he probably would have wanted to call plays and probably would have been granted that. But you know, I don't know that for certain, but I just feel like now we're trending towards getting a younger guy to come in and you know be a good recruiter, be kind of the quarterback coach. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, and, and I think too, I do think Hugh Freeze meant it when he said he would consider giving up play calling. And you know what? It could be a situation where Hugh Freeze gets to Auburn and maybe in year one or year two, he realizes, okay, Maybe maybe this isn't my best role. Maybe I should step back and be the more of the CEO type of coach and then find another coordinator. Well, I think he's got the the awareness if that were to be a decision he needs to be made that needs to be made, he will make that call. Uh, and it won't be two, three, four years too late like you're seeing out in College Station right now. Right. So I think Hugh Freeze would do that. Obviously, he talked about he's called plays his whole career, and that's why – and I don't want to say the offensive coordinator is not important because it is, but it's going to be more as a – like you and I have talked about, Carter, a heavy recruiter, right, and mm-hmm. just go and, and assist with the offense but be a heavy recruiter. Um but yeah, definitely some concern that there are no coordinators. Christian, of the guys that have been hired already, which one stands out to you? Ooh, that's a good one. Um Hmm, that's tough. I like the guys that he retained. Let me just start off by saying that. Obviously, Cadillac Williams was getting retained, uh, but I think Zach Etheridge seems to be good, seems to be good in a good spot to be retained. And I think Christian Robinson um, is a very underrated coach, definitely a very underrated recruiter and personality. 
Um, that guy's going to be a head coach here pretty soon. He was named what the it was a 35 th- under 35 list for football coaches in the country or something, something like yeah. that. Yeah, he was. Uh, I'm telling you, that guy's going to be a head coach soon. Um, I, I I do wonder with him because the, the the linebackers I would say underwhelmed this past year. So did the offensive line, but you saw both of those position groups. Once the change was made, I felt both of those groups played better. And I do wonder if there was some sort of handcuffing in terms of who could be on the field by the old staff that is no longer in place. I want to see if we see a significant step forward at the linebacker position and the offensive line, which I think we can agree that there's certainly going to be new bodies at both of those positions because those are probably the two biggest along with defensive line, the three biggest priorities to go add players right now on the roster. Uh, I wonder how those positions progress next year with with a new offensive line coach and then Christian Robinson back for year two without Brian Harson and company kind of over top overseeing it all. Yeah, I think to see Rob's credit, you know, literally none of those guys in that room were his. Not even Eugene Asante, who transferred in, mm-hmm. was one of his guys. So... I mean, he was coaching a bunch of guys that weren't his guys, weren't his guys that he recruited. But, I mean, Owen Papo played some of his best Auburn football ever towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, to answer your original question, though, Jacob, in terms of new guys, uh, yeah, I would say Crime Dog. I really like Crime Dog, and he has a lot of good recruiting connections. Is he is he really considered a new guy that, on his third <laughs> tenure at Auburn? That's what I was going to say. I'm going to give you Jeremy Garrett as my answer because, I mean, look at the production that Liberty's defensive line had last year. He has some NFL experience. Um, everything that we've heard about him so far has been really positive in terms of recruiting. I think he's really hungry to go out there and recruit. You know, when Brian Harson first got hired, Tracy Rocker was his, supposed to be his defensive line coach, and that was a guy you were like, "Oh boy, like I don't." He's not very hungry to go out and recruit. I don't right. think he really wants to. Jeremy Garrett is a young coach that wants to prove what he can do as a recruiter, and I think you'll see that pretty quickly. So while he's not. Maybe not your Rodney Garner, who has a very established recruiting prowess. I think Jeremy Garrett will work to build that up, and that could turn out to work out really, really well. We have Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 in studio for all of our number one. We're talking uh, Hugh Freeze coaching hires. We're going to get into recruiting and transfer portal a little bit later on. Phone lines are open if you have any questions, comments, concerns for any of us. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390, the Thursday edition of On the Line rolls on when we come back. the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Well, the question of the day was a concern about not having offensive and defensive coordinators, but we sort of already addressed that a little bit, but we were talking before uh, Ed called in, and we're glad he did because that's uh, a great conversation that I think is extremely relevant right now. Uh, we were talking with Christian Clemente of Auburn 247. He's joining us for all of our number one, still just getting his thoughts on uh, the Hugh Freeze hire because we have not had him on since all of this happened. And so, Christian, the process of getting Hugh Freeze hired, it was obviously it was a, uh, a Lane Kiffin show there for a while. Seemed like it was almost uh, signed, sealed, and delivered, and then all of a sudden he's signing back with Ole Miss, and then it jumps to Hugh Freeze. What do you think about the whole process of getting Hugh Freeze here? Yeah, I mean, it It was – I don't know. I don't want to – I don't know. It was a weird coaching search and the fact that it didn't really go very far where you know it was Lane Kiffin 1A and Hugh Freeze 1B and – Yo, 
uh, late Friday night before the Iron Bowl, things kind of just break off between Auburn and Lane Kiffin. Auburn hadn't offered Lane Kiffin yet. They weren't planning to offer anybody until after the Iron Bowl anyway. And, you know, Lane Kiffin has some reasons that were kind of pulling him back to Ole Miss. Auburn had some concerns about him. Uh, so late Friday night, early Saturday morning, things just kind of broke off. And at that point, you know, they had kept doing their due diligence and talking with Hugh Freeze constantly. And so Auburn ends up with Hugh Freeze. And I don't even want to say he was the backup because he was those two were right there, right next to each other mm-hmm. the whole way. Do you feel bad for John Sokoloff over there in the state of Mississippi for the fact that for the rest of his life, Lane Kiffin will be tweeting at him about that tweet he put out Monday of Egg Bowl Week? I don't necessarily feel that bad because I think he should have known better. <laughs> he definitely should have known better. It, I mean, he got the attention. He was wrong, but he got the attention that he's looking for, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look, people are always trying to be first, always trying to get the scoop, but the most important thing is getting it right. And Absolutely. Spoken like a true journalist, <laughs> which he, it's true, though. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I would rather be two minutes later than the competition and know for a 100% fact that it's right then the competition who puts it out and knows eh, 90% is probably right. Yeah. And I mean, stuff backfires on you. And now this backfired on him. Like it's, it's unfortunate. And I do feel kind of bad for him, but also like it's his mistake. So. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, if you, if you're only 90% every time that you're eventually going to get burned and we saw, we saw a guy get burned pretty heavily. And, and what you know, happened in major league baseball this week when John yeah. Heyman said that Aaron judge was signing with the San Francisco giants. And that turned out to not be true. Yep. Just kidding. <laughs> so yeah, crazy. But uh, again, we're talking with Christian about just the process of this Hugh freeze situation. And uh, we're going to get into recruiting and the transfer portal stuff in just a minute. But, in your mind, Christian, Hugh Freeze at Auburn, the potential, right? What what is what what do you think Hugh Freeze can do here now that Brian Harson's gone, now that that era is over and Auburn has moved on from that disaster? What's the potential here with Hugh Freeze in your mind with Auburn? With everything that's we all know that everything behind the scenes seems to be lining up with with boosters and money and NIL and facilities and new president, new athletic director. We all know that's starting to come together and really has come together. What's the ceiling right now in your mind for Hugh Freeze at Auburn? Yeah, I mean, I think Hugh Freeze can get this program into a point where it's competing at least pretty consistently for the SEC West. I think you could say that for I don't this is not like a shot at Hugh Freeze, but I think you could say that for like any head coach that seems relatively capable because I think Auburn is in a pretty good spot. It always has been. Um, it's always been, there's always been that potential. It seems like it's even higher right now. And especially going to a 12 team playoff, I think Auburn can really consistently be a playoff team. And, you know, once you get in the playoff, you never know what happens from there. And to Hugh Freeze's credit, I think he's a really good coach offensively. Um, we'll see how the defensive staff shakes out, but I think he's putting together a really good plan where not only, I mean, I don't think Auburn will compete for the West next year, but I think they want well, to. We we said that about LSU. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think... Granted, granted, they were they had more base talent to start out with yeah. than Auburn will. I, I think they'll try to. I, I don't think they'll be able to crack the top two of the West, but I think they'll make, they'll make a run at it next year, more so than we probably would have thought so like a month ago, maybe, in terms of Auburn's ability to compete for the West next year. And then from that point on, it's, it's game on. I think year two, you could be really, really looking at a pretty solid Auburn team that's built up through high school recruiting and through the portal. I think Hugh Freeze has a really good plan on kind of how to balance those two out. Um, and I think he's got a good long-term plan there as well. So I think his potential at Auburn is pretty high. Yeah. So so I'm, I do have a question for you. 
for 2023, what are realistic expectations? And then what is probably the the timeline, a reasonable timeline to be in that 12-team playoff kind of picture? Uh, in your mind, that is. Yeah, for 2023, I mean, I think, I think if you can pull off seven and five or eight and four, you have a pretty weak non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, your your big opponent is Cal. Whoop de doo. Hey oh. Yeah. So <laughs> hey oh. I think you feel pretty good about being able to win that and hey. other non-conference ones, and then you know just pick up some SEC wins. It's it's a home year where you have Georgia right. and Alabama at home, which so is big. Yeah, maybe you can pull off one of those. It's not like Alabama has looked all that great recently. And when you know they're, that they're losing Will Anderson and Bryce Young. Yeah. How do they re- replace those? caliber of players yeah mm-hmm. so i think auburn i think eight and four would be a really good first year for Hugh freeze to be honest um as for the 12 team playoff i mean i think auburn could compete for that year one in 2024 i mean i don't see any reason why over the next you know this offseason next offseason Hugh freeze can't build this roster into one that's able to at least compete for the west and able to uh able to try and sneak into that playoff there yeah well i mean they asked greg sankey obviously sec commissioner how many teams he realistically thought from the sec could make a 12 team playoff and he said after the automatic bids seven so (laughs) i mean and i think he believes it there's a chance i don't know you never know but auburn should be with the 12 team playoff should be able to compete especially with hugh freeze 30 minutes into our number one we'll talk recruiting and transfer portal with christian clemente of auburn 247 when we come back Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, joined by a good friend of the show, Christian Clemente of Auburn 247. Christian, your uh, your expertise is in recruiting and it is wide open right now. We know that the early signing period is a couple of weeks away and uh, we should just change the name it's not even the early signing period it's just, the signing uh, yeah, period i just call it national signing day now because that's what it is i mean 80 85 percent right that's kind of the number that we're looking at that pretty much sign in yeah. this in this month of december so we know where auburn stands right it has not been good over the last three years four years maybe recruiting wise what's got to happen here where where is hugh freeze and this staff going to try to make up some ground in the next few weeks in recruiting they will have a little bit of time when february when you know between december and february not that there's a ton of of guys in between there but they do have that little bit of time but where in the world are they going to go and who are they going after yeah i mean there's not a lot of time Uh, that's just kind of the mess that Hugh freeze unfortunately for him inherited it's tough turnaround i think auburn does have the potential to make make a splash in a few areas i mean you already saw it when darren reed flipped from lsu um you know that's the top 247 defensive lineman out of uh, carver columbus one of auburn's top two commitments now in terms of rankings um and you know i think auburn is in a good position now to flip k and lee from ohio state which is pretty big and i think you could see some movement as early as this weekend there and with colton hood uh the michigan state commit who's I think it was his uncle, his dad, his brother, and his cousin have all played at Auburn. And his uncle is Roderick Hood, kind of the most notable name there. Mm-hmm. But um, so you would look at those guys. You would look at Tony Mitchell, the five-star DB committed to Alabama. I think Auburn is making a serious push there. 
obviously pretty much all of the eyes are on Quay Russo and James Smith, the five-star duo at uh, Carver Montgomery uh, that plan to sign with the same program there. And that's kind of an iron, not kind of, it is an iron bowl battle between Auburn and Alabama right now. Uh, I would still give Alabama the nod just from what we've seen and, you know, past recruitments similar to this, but I mean, Hugh Freeze is trying to make it competitive. Uh, Auburn has sent staffers to madhouse training. Uh, they sent them on Friday as soon as the dead period ended. That's where they train in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hugh Freeze went out there on Friday as well while the kids weren't there. So it didn't count as his in-home visit, and he'll use that probably next week. Gotcha. Um, but Auburn sent assistants to go and see them again this week as well. Um, just check up on them. And you know, for Jeremy Garrett, it's an opportunity for uh, him to kind of meet them. I think the thing you'll see with signing day is Auburn has 11 commitments right now. I think two of those guys might not end up sticking, so you're realistically looking at closer to about nine commitments. Um, if Auburn can sign, if Auburn can find a way to double that and get to 18 high schoolers uh, in December, I think that would be pretty good. Just because you know there's just not a lot of time. Um, and mm-hmm. Yeah, you you knew that, and you knew that Auburn wanted to go portal heavy anyway. Because I mean, we'll get into the portal, but you look at the numbers, and it's a disaster. There's <laughs> there's yeah. six defensive linemen. Yeah, total That's, counting yeah. edge rushers. Yeah, it's we bad all, on Auburn's roster line, right now. Offensive line's not much better too, yes, because exactly. because you had so many guys who were using up the last bit of their eligibility to come back, and then you had injuries. You had there's gonna be a lot of people going out the door, and then Keandre Jones in the transfer portal. I guess he could theoretically come back, but you don't really know the status of that. Here's a question for you pertaining to Quay and James Smith. With all of the rumors around Charles Kelly, because I do believe that there's a little bit of an info uh, battle going between some members of the Colorado beat and some members of the Alabama beat about whether Charles Kelly is staying at Alabama or going to Colorado. Charles Kelly is listed as the primary recruiter for James Smith and Quay Russaw. Do you see Charles Kelly leaving for Colorado opening the door that much more for Auburn to to potentially win that battle for those two players I mean I think it doesn't it certainly doesn't hurt I mean I think it maybe gives you at least a little bit more of a boost I think a lot of it will come down to Auburn's defensive coordinator hire if Auburn hires Travis Williams T will I think that boosts Auburn's chances significantly with those two I mean they went down would it would it do more for the positive of that the recruitment of those two guys to hire Charles Kelly as defensive coordinator or Travis Williams in your mind? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, probably Charles Kelly simply because you would be taking him away from Alabama and getting him on your staff. Mm-hmm. But I think Travis Williams would really, really be a big boost there. I mean, those kids, they were never going to UCF, but they went down and visited UCF simply because of T-Will. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. They went to go and see him. Um, and kind of kind of a courtesy visit, I guess you could say, but that's because they think very highly of him. So if he, you know, if Charles Kelly does end up departing for Colorado, it certainly wouldn't hurt Auburn. It would be very helpful. Now, at the end of the day, I mean, Nick Saban is the primary recruiter of those guys, pretty much, and so we'll, we'll see. It'll it what it'll come down to is can Hugh Freeze, and this is a, this is a huge tough ask for him because. There's not a lot of time. They're going to get them back on campus for an unofficial visit where they'll spend like the full day with the staff next week, and then Freeze will conduct an in-home. So it's a huge ask of Hugh Freeze to be able to close on these kids against Nick Saban, especially when he hasn't known them as long as Nick has. But you know, is there – I don't want to say a miracle because I think Auburn can realistically pull it off, but 
can Hugh Freeze can can Auburn do it it'll be interesting to see I, I don't know the answer yet with recruiting uh with it being so so tight of a window right now and with Auburn making a coaching change for people that don't necessarily know the rules behind what happens to a program when a coaching change is made obviously Brian Harson fired Hugh Freeze brought in how does recruiting change what are you allowed to do now that you have a new head coach because you get a, you gain some uh, I don't know what the word is but you gain some some access and you gain some privileges when you have a coaching change being able to go and see guys bringing them on campus that sort of thing right yes so any kid that has taken an official visit can return now it doesn't count against the kids five official visits and it doesn't count against the school so Auburn had already brought in 52 kids on official visits over the course of the summer and the fall all 52 of those kids can still return for another official visit now will all 52 return no not at all but there will be a good chunk of them that will probably at least try to return for a second official visit so auburn's able to get all of them back on campus um and you know now even though the staff isn't filled out hugh freeze still has a full staff going out and recruiting because he has analysts out on the road he has joe bernardi out on the road who uh, was elevated to tight ends coach when you know the staff changed happened uh, the plan is for him to be retained as an analyst again but until he moves back there and until you know the staff is totally finalized, he's out recruiting. Same can be said for Kent Austin, who's expected to be the quarterback uh, kind of analyst. Mm. You know, he could end up getting elevated, but that's, that's his position now. And he's recruiting because he's able to. So you know, they've got, they still have guys going out on the road. It was like, uh, well, I guess it would have been last year when Trevon Reed was out recruiting because I think it was Mike Bobo was gone. And so he took his spot on the, uh, on the field staff and went out and recruited. Um, so Auburn's able to get all those kids back, still have a full staff out on the road. Um, and right now it's the contact period, which means until I believe December 19th, Auburn can send assistant coaches out on the road to go visit a recruit once a week. And it started okay. on, it started on Friday last week. And that was technically one week was Friday to Sunday. So Auburn went out and visited kids from Friday to Sunday. And technically you could have gone to go see a kid Sunday and then see him again Monday because the week reset on Monday, um, it's <laughs> wow. yeah. I, I, I mean, Auburn Auburn went to Montgomery to see uh, Quay Russo yeah, and did. James Smith, yeah. like twice in like seventy two hours. Yeah, they went on Friday and then I think again Monday or maybe Tuesday, but they went again very quickly. Um, and so, and then during this time, the head coach Hugh Freeze is allowed to go and make one visit, and that basically it's one day he's able to spend with them. So you know, he went to Lanston Hughes earlier this week, and he went and saw Terrence Love there at the school. And then he did his in-home visit because as soon as he saw him at the school, the clock starts ticking for that day, gotcha. and that's his day. Um, and so um, this these past couple of days and last week, you know, he went to go see Jeremiah Cobb, Braden mm-hmm. Joyner, J.C. Hart. Right now, the early portion of in-home visits for the most part are commits um, or guys that you want to make sure are locked in or targets that you want to get back on campus quickly. For guys like James Smith and Quay Russo, you'll do that as close as you can to December 19th once the contact period ends and we go to signing day on December 21st because you want to try and close. Right. And so obviously a big part of your job is speaking directly with recruits, getting their thoughts, their opinions about whether it's a visit here or a home visit and stuff. How much contact have you had with uh, the recruits right now since Hugh Freeze has been hired? I know it hasn't been super, super long, but what's what's the word from recruits talking about Hugh Freeze and the staff if you've heard anything yeah no it's been good I mean I've talked with a good portion of recruits that had in-home visits or talked with him on the phone and you know I talked with Terrence Love earlier this week and he's like you know he's 
he's not a stuck up head coach like other people are. And I think he was uh, insinuating another previous head coach who had recruited him at Auburn. I wonder who. Yeah. And so he was <laughs> just saying he's not a stuck up. He's straightforward. Like Terrence Love said, yeah, we just sat around, talked, played some pool, eight wins, just had a good time. There you and, go. <laughs> um, but I, I think they like him. I think he's you know, he even said it in his intro press conference. He said that, you know, he feels like he's pretty good in the living room in terms of being able to recruit. And so far that's that's been the case with talking to recruits. So right now Auburn is ranked fifty second in the team rankings. What are reasonable expectations that this class can get to by the by December twenty first? Uh, I think Auburn could potentially crack the top 25, top 20 or so. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be a huge class in terms of numbers. So it's going to be tough to be able to compete with classes where, you know, now you don't even, you aren't even capped at 25 anymore. So certain schools will be signing 30 and you may be signing like 19. Right. Um, so if Auburn can finish top 20, I think that'll be really impressive. And I think that'll be good. And I think they can. Yeah, I certainly think they can. Well, I mean, if you land James Smith and, and Russell, that's, you're going to jump 20 spots as it stands right now with just those two. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're, in, they're in a spot with some really elite guys where, you know, this is a cycle where obviously we knew the in-state talent and how good it was locally. Uh, I think you had a lot of guys in the Alabama area and the Georgia area, Florida area, guys that really, really liked Auburn, but were concerned about uh, uncertainty around the previous staff. And obviously that ended up playing out. And now, now it's about seeing if, you're able to convince them on the future with this new staff and see, you know, they, they love Auburn, but it's just about convincing right. them and, you know, seeing, seeing what the staff is able to do. Well, not only is recruiting super, super busy and crazy right now, obviously the talk this week has been the transfer portal, right? It opened up on Monday. We've seen thousands of kids in college football enter the transfer portal. Auburn has had uh, some guys enter the portal. What's your take on this free agency borderline free agency in my book of the transfer portal is it do you like that everybody can just go and and enter at any time and that it's this big and and are you are you surprised to see it this way before we get to where Auburn's going to go in it uh I mean it's not really overly surprising I think it's I think maybe the one thing I would I don't know how you figure it out but they need to do something about transfer portal overlapping with signing day the December signing day I mean, it's just there's so much to balance right now for mm-hmm. a staff, especially a new staff. It's incredibly difficult. But even for other staffs, I mean, there's a lot. And high school kids are getting lost in the shuffle. And it's I, I don't know how you fix it. And I think the transfer portal windows were a good start. But something, in my opinion, needs to be done about the, you know, the transfer portal window overlapping with signing day and just all of that kind of chaos. So. But in terms of the overall portal and where things are at, I'm not overly surprised. And I think it's good for the kids. I think it's you know, coaches are able to leave whenever. So I don't, yeah. I don't see the issue with kids being able to do yeah. it. Yeah, and I've heard that argument made quite a few times. And we've had callers make that argument as well. I agree. I mean, kids should be able to do and go where they want to go. I just, you know, and we've had we've had some callers talk about some form of restrictions, right, for players where you can't. I mean, you see guys that'll transfer; they'll go to five, six different schools, right? I mean, that we've had people, and you see people talking about how to uh, restrict that in some fashion. I don't know what the answer is to that. I think there does need to be some little bit of 
of penalty for uh, somebody, you know, maybe hold on and go somewhere and have to stay for a certain amount of time. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But no, there's no there's no surprise in my book that the transfer portal is what it is. Let's get to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk with Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 about where Auburn needs to go in the portal, who's available, and the holes that Auburn needs to fill. We'll talk about that when we come back, wrapping up hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the first hour here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, we're joined by Christian Clemente of Auburn 247. We've got him for a few more minutes talking about the transfer portal and where Auburn needs to go. Uh, It seems like both offensive and defensive lines and defensive backs are uh, the positions when this question has been asked this week. These are the the common positions and the common answers that have been given about where Auburn needs to go in the transfer portal. Christian, do you agree with that with both offensive, defensive lines and DBs are a pretty good place to start? Yeah, we uh, we did a podcast like last night where it was four of us as a round table. You had to make a case for a position group that Auburn should hit the portal for the most. And, of course, I was the last person to be able to p- pick. Um, and so, so I'm curious what you yeah, got Yeah, where'd you go? So, well, uh, so I'll say this. you didn't get offensive line. No, <laughs> uh, Mark Murphy did defensive line, which okay. is totally fair because there's six total players there in terms of also counting edge rushers. So that's a room that needs a lot of guys. Uh, you could be looking at as many as 10 total guys through high school, portal, JUCO Jeez. on the defensive line. And you can also be looking at 10 potential guys on the offensive line as well. I think there's a case where 20 guys are brought in on the line of scrimmage um, in terms of high school, JUCO, and transfers. Uh, Nathan went third and got quarterback. He said that Auburn should bring someone in to compete with Robbie Ashford. Uh, and then I went fourth, and I picked wide receiver because mm-hmm. I think Auburn needs a true stud wide receiver one that can elevate the offense, um, maybe a guy like a Ra Ra Thomas, um, and you'll give Robbie Ashford or whoever the quarterback is a security blanket. We haven't seen Auburn have one of those since Seth Williams was right. here, um, and I think Auburn needs one of those. The other case that could have been made, in my opinion, would have been linebacker. Yeah, that's right? what that that's where I would have gone. And may, maybe it's alarming to should be alarming to Auburn fans that there's this many positions that feel like <laughs> emergency must add now. Here's six of, positions. Well, take your pick. Well, like, it's like when you look at the transfer portal, it's like there's not a position where you're like, yeah, they couldn't use a guy. Like every position, you're right. Every, you're right. Every position, it's like, well, you could at least use one guy. I mean, right. Even even running back. If if Tank Bigsby does in fact go to the NFL, as some people think he's going to, um, you could add a guy there. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong I, with three. I mean, I, I I certainly don't see in it. I mean, you you're gonna have Jeremiah Cobb, uh, at least as it stands right now. You're you're gonna have Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin. You probably need a fourth guy. Especially yeah. because you have Jordan Ingram on his way out, and if Tank leaves too, then it probably you, makes sense to go def- add one more. Even if Tank Bigsby comes back, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and get a very young guy through the portal, or bring in a second high school. They back. they they did offer the Jamarian Wilcox yes. out of mm-hmm. South Paulding, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, literally every position, it's like you could probably use at least one guy. That's just so, so not many, good. <laughs> how many pure portal ads? are we going to see in your estimation? Because uh, I've seen people throw around like 15, and I think it's got to be higher than that. I think it could be close to 20. I think you could get to about 20. Yeah. I'd like, wow. I've seen people throw around 15 and be like, 
and that's probably too high. Maybe more like twelve. I'm like, no, I think that's low. I think it well, has to I, be. I think it was LSU seventeen or more. Yeah, I think LSU brought in what fourteen or fifteen last year. Yeah, it's like I think, and he, their roster was in a better position than Auburn's is right now. Yeah, I, I realistically think you could honestly get close to twenty. And you know, not all twenty of those guys are going to be studs. You're not going to be bringing in twenty studs, but you don't necessarily need twenty studs. You need. I mean, a guy that they offered last night, Jordan Brown, Charlotte offensive lineman. He had never played football until he showed up at Charlotte in 2021, joined the team. They put him on scholarship, um, and he kind of started rotating in a little bit. Uh, some other colleges really liked what they saw, so he entered the portal. Mizzou, Syracuse, Auburn, uh, I think some other schools have offered him as well, and now offers hosting him on a visit this weekend. That's a guy that you bring in probably not to start right away next year, maybe a rotational piece, kind of a – backup center uh, not center backup uh, tackle slash guard that can mm-hmm. play if someone's hurt a development you, then, piece. yes and then you have for the future he has three years so he's almost like bringing in a high school guy in a right. sense where you need those guys and you also do need you you need starting offensive tackles you need to start in yeah. defensive linemen starting well, rushers. Well, speaking of starting caliber guys there's going to be a one that's that's probably going to ruffle some feathers that's going to get mentioned in JV and Cohen just because of <laughs> of of the history there with Auburn. He seems like an absolute must add for Auburn because he's from just up the road. I mean, it never hurts to add a guy from from Central just up the road at all and help build that that connection and pipeline if you can. But he's somebody that what in his two two and a half years at Alabama has not allowed a sack on the offensive line was just named second team all SEC that feels like the kind of guy is that is a must add for Auburn in this cycle yeah Auburn is involved with him I think it's gonna be tough to land him I think Miami is one team that's really made an early surge in his uh, transfer recruitment Um, and you know Miami has a lot of NIL money to work with and I think they've clearly shown that especially in this recruitment so uh, Auburn has definitely been involved, though, and been in contact. Um, look, you got to let bygones be bygones. If you have a guy that can start along the offensive line, you need him at this point. Got to so, get him. Yeah, so I, I don't know if that would be a guy that Auburn's going to end up getting. Um, you know, we've reported a couple times on the site. There's about two name, two or three names that we've been told are in contact with Auburn, haven't entered the portal yet. But if they enter the portal, we would probably instantly crystal ball them to Auburn, and they would be very, very good. We can't release names, but... Look, people know, recruits know that Auburn has a need along the offensive line. Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, man, we appreciate you joining us. And uh, we'll get you in in a couple of weeks when everything settles down. We got to get to our hour number one break. Come back for hour number two on the other side. The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line, live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody, on this Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well. Sun is shining. It is warm outside. A little too warm for me in December, but that's okay. Yeah, Hope it's you're like all 74 degrees. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I know. Look, you know me. I like the cold. I'm not saying it's got to be in the teens, but in December, I'm I'm good for 50. Like 50, you can even dip into the 40s for me, man. I'm I'm totally cool with that. I know not everybody really agrees with that around here, but I just don't know if high 70s in December is is where I want to go. But this morning, uh, when I was hosting Auburn Opelika this morning, uh, we were talking about how I remember growing up when I would come down here for Christmas sometimes to see my dad and my family down here. I remember wearing sh- uh, short sleeve shirt and t shirt on Christmas. Like a short yeah. and shorts, you know what I mean? Like literally wearing shirt and shorts on Christmas Day in oh, the state absolutely. of Alabama, which I don't like that. <laughs> like it's nice. You like the cold, except for when it's actually cold, then you complain about it being cold. I don't complain about it being cold. Yeah, I like yeah, the cold. No, we have been at least got football games where you've complained about it being chilly outside. I like it though. I, I like it. Yeah, it's cold. I'll tell you if it's cold, but I like it. And I like being able to put on a sweatshirt and a beanie. Like, I love that, man. You can't do that. I have too many beanies to live in the state of Alabama. Like, it's just not because living in Ohio, it was cold and it snowed all the time. But when I was growing up, I liked being able to come down here on Christmas and it be 80 degrees because I was leaving from where it was single digits and snowing all the time. So, look, it's 77 degrees today. I'm not a fan of it, but hope you're all doing well on this Thursday afternoon. If you missed any of the first hour, it was a good one. A uh, good friend of the show, Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, joined us in the studio. Uh, we got his thoughts on Hugh Freeze being hired because we had not had him on the show since that took place. So we got his thoughts on that. Uh, we got his thoughts on the lack of coordinators for Auburn and Hugh Freeze and the concern that a lot of Auburn fans have right now that Hugh Freeze has not hired any coordinators. So we got his thoughts on that. Talked a lot about recruiting in the transfer portal. Obviously, that is Christian's uh, expertise. If you read any of his stuff on uh, Auburn 247, he does a fantastic job in recruiting is his thing. So lots that we covered uh, covered in the first hour. So if you missed it, please go and find the podcast. Uh, You can find it at ESPNAU.com. You can find it right after the show commercial free today. Phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind? Anything uh, that you want to talk about related to Auburn? Football? Basketball? College basketball? Whatever you want to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Call in, be a part of the show, and be on the line. 334-321-1390. At 3.30, we'll talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. It's Thursday. We talk to him every single Thursday. So, looking forward to to that but again phone lines are open give us a call 334-321-1390 Carter your thoughts on uh, what Christian had to say in the first hour Uh, again we addressed Hugh Freeze in general we addressed the coordinator situation uh, because that seems to be a big concern right now for Auburn fans and then his thoughts on the portal and recruiting he has high hopes yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that the more you dig into the details of this Auburn roster and what it's going to look like before additions, it's going to be extremely bare, extremely bare. Like, there's not going to be a ton of guys, ton of high quality, uh, quality depth, even kind of guys on this roster. And you've got to add a lot to a lot of positions: offensive line, defensive line, linebackers receiver you you need you need to go find a guy to pair with I don't know if if 
maybe Camden Brown emerges this next year as your number one guy, but it certainly wouldn't hurt to go get a true number one receiver. There's some names out there for sure. Um, Rara Thomas is is obviously one. Um, some other names out there. Dorian Singer out of Arizona. He was an awesome, awesome, awesome player this year. I think he put up some really uh, elite-level stats. He may have led the country in, in receiving yards. I, I may be inventing that in my own head. He had... <laughs> He had 66 catches for 1,105 yards. He didn't lead the country with that, but and six touchdowns. Those are elite numbers, especially for just uh, 66 catches on the year. I mean, he's he's somebody that if Auburn could add, that'd be a name that would jump out to me. Um, I mean, there's and receivers are is the room that Christian talked about, right? We yes. asked him the positions about the transfer portal. He talked about the wide receivers and how important it is. Mm-hmm. We know about the lines, both offensive, defensive, and the defensive backs, but he talked about the wide receivers, and they got to go get a playmaker because, like he said, Auburn hasn't had that go-to stud since Seth Williams. Yeah, and honestly, I never thought Seth Williams lived up to his potential. I think it could have been a lot better. I think – I think – I don't think Seth Williams had the drive that he needed to have to be truly great. He had every single um, trait that you want out of a elite number one caliber guy, and I just never thought that 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 it panned out over his Auburn career. And I think that that's why he got drafted so late. Did mm-hmm. did he get drafted? He got drafted in like the seventh round. Yeah, I think he? he got drafted really, really late. Uh, but like, I mean, he got drafted behind Anthony Schwartz, and there was no reason off just physical ability that should happen, other than Anthony Schwartz ran as fast in a straight line as anybody in the country. Yeah. Well, if it's not Seth Williams, then who was the last go-to stud I mean, that Auburn had at receiver? Seth was that. But I mean, honestly, I haven't felt that anybody has been a true dominant dude at Auburn since Duke Williams and Sammy Coates. I was thinking Sammy Coates. And, and Sammy Coates, even that like he was iffy with his hands. He would Sammy Coates is the most confusing player <laughs> I've ever yeah. seen at Auburn because he made so many unbelievably difficult catches and made it look easy. And then he made a lot of really easy catches look impossible. And it was confusing. Duke Williams, he was awesome like honestly i think in the last in the last decade i think that's your best pure receiver that you've had obviously it didn't pan out for uh off the field issues um but he was really really good well what this conversation means is auburn's got to go get somebody in the wide receiver room i mean they they've tried and they maybe they've tried i guess but they just haven't had that guy that is a is a threat to that extreme. I mean, there is they've got to go find somebody, but at the same time, you got to have a quarterback that can throw it to them too. I will say that, that that I do think some of these receivers in the past at Auburn have been held back by Gus Malzahn's offense. Like Darius Slayton, what we're seeing now with him in the NFL, mm-hmm. he should have been a lot better at Auburn, and I don't think that that's that's his fault. I think Shocker. that's that's the offense's fault because. He just ran deep, deep posts and go routes that took forever to develop, and he had average to pretty decent quarterback play, depending on when you caught Jarrett Stidham at a certain certain point in time, uh, and nobody could get him the ball consistently. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you saw, uh, I think it was 2017 Georgia 
when he opened that game with a huge touchdown catch. And, like, you saw flashes. You saw the 2018 Music City Bowl where he just wrecked Purdue because Auburn figured out on the opening drive, oh, he can run faster than he can every, run really DB fast. In, <laughs> every DB on Purdue's team. Right. So let's just let him go run a straight line and throw him the ball, and that's how he ended up with, what, three catches for, like, mm-hmm. 160 yards yeah. and three touchdowns? Yeah. So, Coach, what's the play call? Go deep. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that was it. what it was. That was it. It was it was the Jalen Hyatt Alabama game. If Jalen Hyatt only caught three passes, when Jalen Hyatt caught what six balls for two hundred something yards mm-hmm. and five touchdowns, it's like the old Randy Moss stat, right? When he played for the yeah, Vikings that yeah, game, literally that that was at the time of the Music City Bowl in twenty eighteen. That was the comparison. Yeah, I am so curious because we've seen in Hugh Freeze's offense. At Ole Miss, some stud receivers come through. Big, big receivers. Receivers and tight ends, because you have Evan Ingram, too, which which, Fair. which I love, according to, I think it was Keith Niebuhr, when Hugh Freeze met with Landon King, one of the comps brought up was Evan Ingram, and about how Evan Ingram and Landon King are, were both kind of tweener guys. That's exactly the name I want to hear come out of Hugh Freeze's mouth when he talks about Landon King. Mm-hmm. Ingram. Because Landon King can be that caliber kind of guy, except he's three inches taller than, yeah. than Evan Ingram. And then at receiver, I think Camden Brown can be a guy in this offense. We I were told he, he was. A, I think he can be a... St- well, yeah, the, the preseason hype was he was going to be freshman All-American, All-SEC caliber guy, and they barely saw the field for the first and six said, games yeah, of the year. stay on the sideline. And when he did get on the field, he played well. Yeah. Uh, just like Landon King. It's amazing how that the two most hyped guys, pass catchers on the team, barely touched the field under Brian Harson. Don't, really don't tell me you're surprised. But, but uh, I think Javarius Johnson, I think that you can craft a role that fits Javarius Johnson's skill set better than what he's been used to this point. I think he's. You could say that about a lot of guys. He's been used as a deep ball guy. Yeah. And while he has good speed, I think his quickness is his greatest asset. And we've yet to see anybody really use that in his, in his Auburn career. I have always said, and I could be totally just wrong about this, and we could see it play out next year. I always said when I went back and watched his his high school tape, just. Take Julian Edelman's film with the Patriots, put it on and say, hey, this little whip route right here, this little option route, this this route that Julian Edelman made a living in the NFL on. He he just absolutely mastered, mastered it. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. And and to to that point, Auburn's got to not only does Auburn have to go and find some dudes in the wide receiver room, they've got to use them with their skill set and sort of where Carter was talking about is we've got Auburn's got guys on the roster and Auburn's had guys in the past on the roster in the wide receiver room but they haven't used them the way they should have and they haven't always had a good offensive line play to have a quarterback who can get them the football they always haven't had uh they the coach and the staff and the playmaking and the play calling I should say to make sure a receiver can have the success they were supposed to have there was a point in time where Auburn had so much talent on the field at receiver in terms of Nate Craig Myers Kyle Davis Eli Stove all those guys came into the same class underrated for sure and Eli and well and Kyle Davis for off the field reasons didn't pan out at Auburn Mm -hmm. 
Nate Craig Myers just never felt fast on the football field, could never get separation. He transferred away. Eli Stove went through some knee injuries, and I thought he was he was a very underrated player, and then his NFL career got cut short when he went, I think he had his physical with the Chargers, maybe, and they found he had he had been playing on a torn ACL. Yeah. Um yeah, That's he, wild. he had unlucky luck to his career, but like for whatever reason, wide receiver talent has not panned out at Auburn in recent history at all. Yeah, well, they need it right now. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Thanks, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good, right, Terry. Jerry. What you got? Jacob is a long, lifelong resident of the state of Alabama. I can tell you, if anybody says they don't like 70-degree weather in December, ask them how they would feel if it was 42 in August. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? In August around here, it's so hot and miserable. I would be okay with it bumping down a few degrees. I, I agree. I agree. And it's not just Alabama's the heat; it's the humidity. That That's right. It. That's absolutely right. It's just awful. So, yeah. the, the uh, Carter Jacob, the one I could never figure out was Tim Hawthorne. Yeah, because I yeah. thought he had all kinds of potential, okay. and he just never materialized. That's at all. a forgotten name. Sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's one of them for sure. Um, I mean. I don't think Auburn's had a really high-level receivers room as a whole since oh gosh. the days of Anthony Mix, Devin Aromstu, Ben Albamanu, Courtney Taylor, That's... when you had four NFL guys in that room. I yeah. mean, it's been a while since we've seen Auburn really pan out in in the receivers room at a high level. And some of it's been puzzling because it's there's guys like Seth Williams that have – everything you could possibly want as a receiver and it just never the ceiling you never reach the ceiling you never you don't even approach the ceiling sometimes well and, and receiver rooms have been pretty talented if you ask me quite honestly it's just they've never been developed until they got somewhere else or got to the pros yeah and it fits right in with other position groups we've seen at auburn that don't get haven't gotten developed over time right we talk about the quarterbacks all the time right. that that come to auburn and, and if you're not good when you show up you're not going to be any better when you leave so yeah, yeah it, it, it's a problem and a receiver is going to want to know the first question he's going to ask who's throwing me the ball that's right that's the first question you're going to ask can the offensive line give him time to throw me the ball mm-hmm. so until auburn addresses that it's because it was going to be a nice i don't think their talent is that bad a wide receiver i really don't I think they got to get the right quarterbacks and get him some protection, and that's pretty much pretty said. You guys, you guys remember the joke I used to make about Seth Williams that Bo Nix, when he was a quarterback, there was a guy in the stands wearing an 18 jersey. He kept trying to throw it to him in the AJ <laughs> yeah, game. I mean, yeah. yes, yes, that's very true. There were like a lot of, for Seth Williams on every play. Yeah, there were a lot of times where Seth Williams was just not open, like double and triple coverage that covered where. And and honestly, to be honest, Terry, I think that that's an indictment of two things. I think that's an indictment of really three things. The quarterback development under Gus Malzahn, the offensive line that, that Bo Nix did not trust, and then the fact that the receiver talent in the wide receivers room was so not developed that I think Bo Nix thought the only guy that gave him a chance to make any plays in the air at times was Seth Williams. 100% agree. Which is, 100% agree. Which is yeah, sad. All those things you say are 100% true. It's just it's, it's an indictment because there's been this talk out there when he come back to Auburn. For, why would he? Why in the world would he come back to play under Hugh Freeze for one year? I've heard that brought up. Who's that? And I'm like, he, uh, Bo Nix. Oh, I haven't. Okay, I, I no, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think he's I'm leaving. No. I don't think he's leaving Oregon. I think that he is rather he? rather happy where he is right now. 
He's probably finding out that the defensive lineman out there run four fives and four sixes instead of four threes and four fours. That's exactly right. And the offensive lineman he's got right now can actually give well, him some time to throw I, the hey, ball. Hey, I actually had a I had a tweet about this, and it was really funny because it took the Oregon fan base about a week and a half to find it, and then all of a sudden I had a bunch of random people from from the West Coast jumping in my my Twitter uh, re- responses. But uh, there was a play. Bo Nix had an eighty yard touchdown run. Uh, against Stanford, where he mm-hmm. ran away from every player on that Stanford defense. And my, my tweet was not an indictment of Bo Nix in any capacity, but I was like, that right there's the biggest difference between the Pac-12 and the SEC. You would never see a quarterback in the SEC, maybe Robbie Ashford, maybe, uh, that runs away from an entire defense. And then I had Oregon fans very upset talking about his 40-yard touchdown run against Arkansas a couple years ago. I was like, I was... My whole thought was, well, 40 yards is not 80 yards. 80 yards is totally different. Bo Nix is not that fast. <laughs> He's fast. He's a fast quarterback. But you don't run away from, from an entire defense in the SEC. Well, Carter Jacob, that's they can get mad all they want to out there. I don't really care. Because every time an SEC team matches up with a big 12, a Pac-12 team, they get killed. Absolutely. Because yeah, the ta- we know the talent difference. We, we absolutely know it. Well, we, we we almost we were pretty close at one point uh, this year from getting a Georgia Oregon rematch in the first round of the semifinal, which I know nobody would have wanted at all. But and we almost got USC in that game, which would have been fascinating because mm-hmm. USC, I will say, they have some difference makers on the offense that I think could have made life a little bit interesting on that Georgia defense. Well, didn't didn't Bryce Young at Alabama play in high school in Pac twelve country? Yes, he did. Yeah. And so, so there you go. There's a guy that left the Pac-12 area to come to the Southeast because he know that's where it's at. Well, I mean, if you if you look at it, Tua, same thing. Mm-hmm. Bryce Young, same thing. DJ Ewitt Clipson, he's a California guy that, that ended up oh, at Clipson. Yeah, I mean, okay. though, you've, you've got all sorts of guys that have come from out west to the SEC because, let's be honest, they know that well, actually, actually, this is worth noting as well. The Thompson quarterback, the eighth grader, he's a California kid that moved to Thompson this past year. Because who doesn't want to move from the West Coast to <laughs> to go to Thompson to high school in Alabama, right? Yeah, I know. Like, like you, like you see a lot of that happening right now of of West Coast kids, whether it be in in the middle of high school or for college, that are highly rated quarterbacks that find their way to Clemson or the SEC, or maybe even the Big Ten. I think C.J. Stroud. Is C.J. Stroud a California guy, too? No, that I don't know. Uh, but but, but you but I think that's that's a product of the fact that, uh, yes, C.J. Stroud's a California guy as well. That's a product of how weak the Pac-12's been, that you've seen these guys go to the powerhouse programs on the eastern half of the U.S. and set up shop as the quarterback. No, well, they know where it's at. I mean, they like I said every time you've seen it with Oregon, Georgia, the first game of the year, they got mangled. Yep, that's so, that's you, all the evidence you need. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's frustrating, guys, because because when you watch the Heisman Trophy ceremony Saturday night, and if the guy from USC wins at the quarterback, they'll be beating their chest left and right about he's the fourth or fifth or sixth or millionth guy from USC to win the Heisman. But he had to leave Oklahoma. Yeah, and didn't go yep. to the Southeast, did he? Yep, that's right. Yep. That's absolutely right. Terry, we got to get to a break. We appreciate you calling in, man. It's good to hear from Take you. That care, is guys. Terry joining us on the line. Let's get to a break. And uh, phone lines are still open, though. 334-321-1390. More of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line. 
on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, we've got a few minutes before we get to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Uh, We'll talk to him in just a few minutes about everything going on around the Southeastern Conference. So uh, we really enjoy having him on, so we'll do that in just a few minutes. But to uh, Terry's point, sorry, to Terry's point and his phone call a little bit, uh, he he was talking about older wide receivers and guys just not being developed at Auburn, and that's been a problem over the last I, few years. I think that, well, one, I don't think Brian Harson went and got the talent that was needed to be in that room, uh, and then Ike Hilliard was here one year. What do you want him to do? Um, you <laughs> Year one, you had... You had two different wide receivers coaches in the middle of the year. Yeah. Like what? What? That was bad. What, what do you want to happen with that room? I think. I think that you can give an excuse for the last the guys in the room right now for the last two years. I think that that's an indictment on Brian Harson. Before that, I think it all comes down to Gus Malzahn's offense. Yeah, you have heard for years how simplistic the passing game is, how simplistic the route tree is, and I don't think it lends itself. For high-level receiver play, for four guys to develop, and I think that's an issue. But I think we're going to see something different under Hugh Freeze because the offense is more complex. The offense is more complete, and you're actually going to be able to get the ball to receivers because the offensive line's going to be good enough at some point to to block for a quarterback back there. We're not going to know what that looks like. We're going that that is going to be just like something completely different and not really seen at Auburn in a while but talking the development I'm not even talking wide receivers I'm talking development in general I mean over the last six years at Auburn the development of players at any position quarterback wide receiver linebacker corner safety whatever it may be development at Auburn has been poor to say the least I mean it has just not been good there's a handful of guys in positions over the last six or so years that when they got to Auburn and when they left Auburn they got better during that time obviously some of them have but it's been very very few and that is a problem because in today's game of college football the reason that guys or schools like Alabama and Georgia go and get their guys and get whoever they want yes it's because they win but they also develop these guys and send them to the NFL. Alabama has the most players in the league by a long shot. Ohio State has a lot of guys in the in the NFL. Georgia's starting to get guys in the NFL. LSU's got guys in the NFL. Why? Because when they go and get those four and five stars, yeah, they're good when they get there, but they make them even better when they leave. Auburn has not been doing that. Under Gus Malzahn and under Brian Harson. that was not a thing. Hugh Freeze has got to find a way to make guys better when they get here. Yeah, and I think that there's also an aspect of, I think there is a level of development that happens when you get the most talent into a room. Granted, scheme needs to be in place to to allow these guys to develop as well. But once you have high level competition in a position room, you're going. Guys are going to get pushed harder. You're, and that's what you see at Alabama. That's what you see at Georgia. These these programs that have stockpiled talent. That is what created that run of receivers at Alabama and Ohio State. Because you have no choice been, but to get yes. better. And I think that that's part of it. And I think Auburn needs to get there. 
Auburn has not been there in several years. And I think that that's an indictment on the last two coaching staffs. It'll take some time, but they got to get there. You're absolutely right. Competition brings the best out in everybody. And if you have a fear of being replaced by another four or five star, you're going to get better. And if not, they'll put the better guy on the field. Let's get to a break. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, will join us on the other side as we wrap up this Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Well, it's Thursday at 3.30. You know what that means. We have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He joins us this day and time every single week. Chris, uh, happy Thursday, man. Hope you're doing well. Glad to hear from you. Uh, Let's jump right into some of the news going on around uh, the SEC. We have the playoff right we've got the four teams in the top playoff obviously Georgia is the number one team Alabama on the outside looking in Georgia matches up with Ohio State Michigan will match up with TCU just your reactions to what the college football playoff looks like yeah I mean I think they got it right I mean you know there was all this debate about should Alabama get in you know just because Nick Saban's high and mighty and uh, we should all bow down to him even when he loses two games we should all just say (laughs) Uh, it was a fluke. It was, it was a travesty. It shouldn't have happened, and Alabama deserved to be in. But, no, I mean, it it is it, deservedly so. I mean, I, it's been a few years since I went to school in the SEC, but I still think two is greater than one. And TCU took their first loss in the year. Alabama had two losses. So TCU deserved to get in. Ohio State deserved to get in. And I think we've got some pretty good matchups. Yeah, Chris, uh, do you how do you see, I guess, it playing out here. Do we think that that any of these teams can give a really good Georgia team that's that's kind of had its way this season for the most part? They've struggled in some pockets, I guess, but can any of these teams give Georgia a run in the playoff this year? Yeah, I think they can. I mean, if you've seen the Vegas spreads out there, uh, you know, Georgia's only a six a six point favorite over Ohio State, so you know they're projecting that, that Ohio State's going to be able to keep this close and DJ Stroud. Uh, is a Heisman finalist along with Stetson Bennett. And, you know, uh, coming into the year, everybody was kind of expecting C.J. Stroud to have a great year, and he has. And, you know, he's a guy who's going to – it's going to be a toss-up between him and Bryce Young to be the number one overall pick in this upcoming draft. So C.J. Stroud's got the, the skill set. And if you watch the second half of the SEC championship, I know a lot of you may have tuned out at halftime when they Georgia had such a big lead on LSU. But what we saw was an LSU team that really torched that Georgia secondary and you know don't get it fooled it's not like Georgia was pulling a bunch of their starters on defense in the third quarter they were still playing their starters uh Garrett Nussmeyer came into the game for Jaden Daniels and just started you know airing it out throwing the ball down the field and they were completing some big pass plays so I know Kirby Smart um you know maybe kind of secretly liked that that he could take that film to uh his team this week in film study and, and break it down and show that they got exposed but uh, Ohio State can absolutely give Georgia a game. Now, I think Georgia is by far the best team in, in, in all college football. And last night I was at the Lombardi Awards and I was able to spend some time with, with Will Anderson and Brock Bowers and talk with both of them. And, you know, Brock was just kind of saying how special this run has been for him. Basically, 
you know, they've lost one game since he's got to Georgia. They, they lost the SEC championship last year and won a national championship, and now they're undefeated this year. And it's, a, it's an amazing run that Kirby and, and the Bulldogs have been on. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, but we know, you know, you let your guard down one week and, and you can certainly get beat. So uh, Georgia's the overwhelming Vegas favorite. You know, everybody thinks they're going to win it. But, again, they're going to have to bring their, their A game to, to beat a good Ohio State team. Well, Chris, you said the playoff committee got it right with their top four. What about the Heisman finalists in the top four there? It's all four quarterbacks. Of course, Stetson Bennett from Georgia is there. Did they get the four Heisman finalists correct? I mean, Hendon Hooker deserves to be in there. I, I, I don't know why they couldn't have expanded it a little bit and just, just had uh, have, have Hendon uh, you know, go up to New York. I understand the injury. Um, you know, when he got hurt in the, the – game against South Carolina everybody just wrote him off it was like it was like oh you're done you're hurt you're done for the year yeah well there goes everything you've done all season long to get you to this point and I think that's just kind of unfair I mean if you look at the numbers statistically obviously you know Hennon Hooker's better than Spencer Bennett and better than a lot of these quarterbacks in a lot of statistical categories and um you know I, I thought Hennon Hooker deserved to be there was he gonna win it no uh, you know, Stetson Bennett going to win it? No, but I just thought it, it's more of an honor thing to bring, uh, you know, to, to, to get the invite to go. And I thought Hendon Hooker this season, what he did this year in that Josh Heupel system at Tennessee, absolutely deserved a shot to go. Um, I don't want to poo-poo on Stetson Bennett. I think he's had a great year. And if you watch that game on Saturday, he was fantastic. His accuracy, his ball placement, big third downs. He's been he's been a warrior for Georgia and still disrespected. I mean, still doesn't get the love and respect he deserves because he is a very good quarterback. You know, it, nobody wants to bring up his seven rushing touchdowns he's had this year. But uh, at the end of the day, I think it was more just they were looking at Georgia and saying, "All right, Georgia's an undefeated team. It's the best team." And what do we see typically with Heisman invites? It's the best player on the best team. Well, who's the best player on Georgia? You know, I had somebody tell me Jalen Carter. Well, Jalen Carter missed some games. Jalen Carter had some games this year where he had one tackle. Uh, you know, somebody else said Brock Bowers. I'm like, well, as much as I love Brock Bowers, he's had some games where he had two catches for 20 yards this year. So it's like, you know, who's been the most consistent? They have a three-headed runner attack. You can't even go with one of the running backs because they, they split time equally. The one constant, you know, best player on the team, you could say, is Brock Bowers or, or Stetson Bennett, mm-hmm. rather. So uh, that's why I think Stetson got the invite, but – yeah, there's a lot of people who were poo-pooing that, saying Stetson Bennett didn't didn't deserve to go to uh, New York and that Hendon Hooker should have. And I say, why not both? I think both should have been there. Yeah, absolutely. I guess quickly before we we move on to Auburn and things, um, I guess around this Auburn football program, how do you see the Heisman uh, shaking out? Is this is this Caleb Williams's, or did we see uh, Max Duggan do enough on Saturday to maybe swing the vote back in his favor? Well, it, it, it's on the coaching staff. If they would have called the freaking quarterback sneak on third and fourth down and have uh, Max Duggan punch it in there, I Preach think it. that would have been. A, I think that would have been a, a moment, right? Because it would have been him winning a a Big Twelve championship in overtime to finish an undefeated season, and the guy had every cut, scrape, and bruise on his arms to uh, you know putting the team on his back. I thought that was it, and he didn't get the chance, and they lose to Kansas State in the Big Twelve title game, and I think that hurt them. And, uh, yeah, it's Caleb Williams. He's the overwhelming Vegas favorite right now to win it all. And he's had a nice run. I mean, USC has been a completely different team. To go from whatever they were, 5-6 and six a year ago, to, uh, you know, this fantastic run that they went on, what, 11-2, and 10-2, and two, whatever they are, it's been a great run. And Caleb Williams has played phenomenal down the stretch. 
obviously got hurt the other night in the Pac-12 title game against Utah, and uh, they ran out of gas, and Utah took it to them. But, uh, you know, I would say Caleb Williams, it's not – it's not. Uh, he, he, he didn't hurt himself. Like, I think he deserves to win it, sure. But this is one of those Troy Smith years that will be very forgettable. We won't look back on this year and go, man, what a phenomenal year when Caleb Williams was tearing it up at USC. We'll just kind of look back and go, oh, yeah, I forgot Caleb Williams won a Heisman. <laughs> I think I, I, that's pretty. That's pretty accurate. If I'm being honest with you, we're talking with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He joins us every Thursday. Of course, Monday and this week has been highlighted by the transfer portal opening up. It has been uh, like the wild, wild west. Everybody is just entering from left and right. Some big names from around the Southeastern Conference have entered their name in the transfer portal and some big names outside of the SEC that could possibly find themselves in the SEC uh, in the transfer portal. What are some names or who are some names that uh, has caught your eye this week? Well, it's all the quarterbacks. I mean, we're, we're going on a quarterback carousel and it becomes who needs one. And I look at teams like the Florida Gators. They are in a big, tough, tough spot with Anthony Richardson leaving early. Uh, going pro, they had the unfortunate story of uh, Jalen Kitna, you know, getting arrested for child pornography, and he was the backup. He's out. They still have Jack Miller, who was a transfer from Ohio State. He's probably going to end up end up playing in the bowl game. But uh, you know, they got Jaden Rashada coming in, who's a, a big time recruit. But I don't think they want to throw him to the Wolves week one next season. So I think Florida's going to be in the market, you know, in the transfer portal market for a starting quarterback. I still think Auburn should, you know, as much as I like uh, Robbie Ashford and, and he had a great season, I still would, would not hesitate to go look to the transfer portal from Hugh Freeze and bring in another guy to compete with him. Um, you know, I just look around the, the, the conference. Uh, you know, Mike Wright at, at Vanderbilt going into the portal, I think, you know, he went to SEC Media Days with Vanderbilt. Um, you know, had an outstanding uh, or had some outstanding games. He ended up getting benched at one point for the freshman A.J. Swan, and then they went back to Mike Wright and, he won them games down the stretch, including wins over Florida and uh, and Kentucky. Um, you know, Ray Davis, the running back in Vandy, he was fourth in the SEC in rushing this year. Uh, Dominic Lovett, the receiver from Mizzou, he was third in the SEC in receiving. So these are some big names in the SEC. And then you talk about the, the A&M tandem of Haynes King is in the portal, who's won some big games. Zach Calzada in his one year at Auburn didn't play at all, but – uh, you know, he's an intriguing name if he is healthy. Did beat Alabama two years ago. So, you know, I think some programs are going to give him a look. So th- there's just a lot of things to figure out here. And, and I think LSU's got to figure some things out. They still haven't uh, made an official announcement on if uh, Jaden Daniels is coming back this next year. And if he does, I think Garrett Nussmeyer showed enough in the SEC championship game last week to say, hey, I ain't sitting another year. If I'm not starting here, I'm going to go somewhere else and play. So just a lot mm-hmm. of dominoes that can fall here in the coming weeks. And then, I've been told by several people, don't discount Alabama and Georgia hopping on a one-year rental. They're both going to lose their quarterbacks and Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young. And I know Georgia's high on Carson Beck and uh, Brock Vandergriff. And you know, Alabama likes what they saw from Jalen Milrow in, in a couple instances this year. But both those teams in prime position to go get a one-year rental, You know, whether it's DJU from, from Clemson, whether it's um, you know, the kid at Western Kentucky who was number two in, in passing yards this year, mm-hmm. uh, Brennan Armstrong at, at Virginia. There's some big-name quarterbacks out there that I think, you know, and the, the one at, at North Carolina that everybody was uh, was thinking that might in May, he's coming back, or Drake May, he's staying put. So um, I, I just think if Nick Saban calls one of these kids and says, hey, you want to come compete for a championship next year, I think they'll all absolutely say yes. So 
this is going to be a crazy offseason, guys. These teams are going to look very different next year, particularly Florida and A&M, who have had over 20 kids apiece enter the portal. The, the whole SEC is going to look very different next year. Well, Auburn is going to have pretty, at least by Auburn standards, unprecedented turnover as well. And a lot of that's going to come via the portal. What are some some areas that you you expect Auburn to to add players in, whether it be, I mean, obviously the offensive line, but in the trenches? What are, what, what are some areas that you think Auburn needs to capitalize on in this portal window? It's defensive line. Um, Derek Hall and Colby Wooden were, were outstanding, you know, at times this year. And, you know, you lose an Owen Papo, you lose all these pieces, and it just starts to mount up. And you realize, you know, at times when Auburn was good last year defensively and getting stops, it was because those guys were stepping up and making plays. And now you basically lose almost anybody who, who made a stop or, or came up with a big play for you last year. So uh, there's a lot of retooling. There's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of pieces that are going to have to, to be remolded and reshaped for next year. But this is a lot of experience on that D-line that I think you're going to lose. And, and, again, you know, easy to look into the transfer portal and find some guys. You know, if there's a big stud pass rusher that wants to come get an IL deal at Auburn, hey, we'll make it happen. Um, and then there's some guys still on that roster and some guys coming in the recruiting class who I think will help. But, yeah, I, w- I would start with the with the defensive line. Obviously, the offensive line had its ups and downs this year, so got to do some retooling there. And um, and then how about receivers? How about, you know, can you go get Robbie Ashford a big go-to target uh, that he was kind of lacking for much of this year? And that's no, no disrespect to the guys that were, that were on that team, but, um, you, know, you know, I'm not used to for, – for where Auburn was, what, just two, three years ago with three big-time playmakers and Schwartz and all those guys that were there, they, they seem to be lacking the big-time playmaker at wide receiver. So we'll see, uh, we'll see where Auburn goes. But um, if you really want me to answer your question, honestly, Auburn can, can upgrade at just about every position at this point. Yeah, I don't think many people would disagree with you, man, as as uh, everybody's trying to dissect this roster right now here in Auburn. Speaking with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. One basketball question for you before we let you get out of here. SEC basketball early on has uh, some big-time names with ranking-wise. You've got Tennessee at 8, Alabama at or Tennessee at 7, excuse me, Alabama 8, Arkansas 9, Auburn at 11, Kentucky at 16, uh, with teams being about 8 or 9 games into the season. Who Michigan stands State's out? in there, too. Right, uh, state is are they? Yeah, yeah, twenty three. Yeah, so there you go. I missed that one too. What are your uh, breakdown of the SEC basketball teams right now? Yeah, it's going to be what it was last year. It's it's good teams beating up on really good teams. Um, you know, I know Auburn's got a big one this weekend against against Memphis, who, who's looked pretty good so far. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting once we get the conference play because we got some really big dogs and a lot of new faces in this. Um, in this conference that, that are ready to eat and ready to get going. Um, you know, I've probably watched Kentucky more than anybody so far because that's where my wife went. and We have to watch all the games. And uh, Shibway obviously, is, is going to be a force once again in this conference. But, man, Arkansas has been fun to watch. Uh, you know, I've seen a little bit of Vandy. I've seen, I've seen Auburn once or twice. So it, it's, it's going to be what it, what it typically is, guys. There's going to be a lot of uh, – teams beat up on one another and really really good teams in this conference where you look at it and say you know anybody can beat anybody on any given night chris gordy host of the locked on sec podcast man we appreciate you joining us like you do every single thursday i know your uh, your most recent episode today you had alabama's linebacker will anderson and georgia's tight end brock bowers so uh, that is uh, you're doing great work let everybody know where they can find everything you do with your podcast 
Yeah, just wherever uh, locked on SEC, wherever you get your podcast, and we're on YouTube now, and uh, uh, you know all the video versions of the show up there. But uh, if you're an Auburn fan, you may not like when I ask Will Anderson about uh, taking extra pleasure and enjoying that Iron Bowl win because he seemed to his his smile on his face got uh, twice the size he had previously. And uh, those Alabama guys, they just love to win those Iron Bowls. Yeah, well, that's understandable. That's okay, though. We won't hold it against you for having an Alabama guy on your podcast. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. We'll talk to you next week, all right? All right, thanks, guys. That is Chris Gordy again, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He joins us every Thursday at 3.30 right here on On The Line. Let's get to our final break. We'll come back and wrap it up on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067. Big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Just got off the phone with him talking about uh, the playoff matchups, the Heisman Trophy finalists, uh, talking... um, uh, we talked about the transfer portal and recruiting. Obviously, that's been a huge conversation this week. Where Auburn could go, some names that are in the portal that he has his eye on. He had about 20 different guys that he named that uh, could be of interest in the SEC yeah. or outside of the SEC. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, there's big names in the portal uh, within the SEC schools and guys outside of the Southeastern Conference that could find themselves in the conference. But again, big thank you to Chris Gordy, again, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us every Thursday at 3.30. Also, thank you to uh chris christian clemente i'm getting their names mixed up but <laughs> christian because so similar but christian clemente of auburn 247 uh, he joined us in studio for the entire first hour so if you missed any of that or any of the show today be sure to go and find the podcast just go to espnau.com click on the podcast center you can find it right there or you can search on the line wherever you get your podcast we talked a lot with christian about uh, auburn of course with hugh freeze we hadn't got his comments on that yet so we were able to do that uh, we talked to him about the transfer portal and recruiting because that's his expertise is recruiting uh, and talked to him and he thinks that if Auburn can get top 20 in recruiting uh, get a top 20 class then they'll be in good shape I agree with him he said top 20 top Absolutely. 25 I think if Auburn could somehow pull a top 20 class with Hugh Freeze in this very very short amount of time I think that would be you'd, you'd really be feeling all right yeah, I think that that'd be that'd be a great place for Auburn to be, uh, especially given the short window that they've had to to salvage a class that was yet again another indictment of Brian Harson. This class was a joke in terms of the amount of guys that were committed. It's very similar to Gus Malzahn's last last class, right? How he left it, uh, and and they've had to salvage it. And I think that they're going to salvage it better than Brian Harson did in that first class. If I if I am just taking a guess. Um, and then they also had the portal period where they're, we know they're going to add a lot of guys because the roster's not in shape to compete in the SEC West, to compete at the highest level in the SEC West. And it's going to take time. It's going to take time. Year one is going to be a legitimate year one. Uh, it's not going to be a USC situation where where they're competing to for... Uh, a New Year Six Bowl appearance or potentially a conference championship. It's not going to be gonna a, It's not going to be a Gus Malzahn year one, right? Where he yes. came in and took Auburn to the SEC championship game in was, the national title. Talent from from the Chiswick recruiting classes. Mm-hmm. Chiswick, for all of his faults, recruited well. Generally, the same thing for Gus Malzahn. 
until late. Uh, yeah, it, late late in his last couple of years, they were not as good, and they were they were. I think his classes were better on paper than they ended up being in reality, mm-hmm. and that's something that you saw take place. It goes back to development, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think that that this this well, and a, and a lack of recruiting the trenches, right. which which significantly hampered uh, some of those Auburn teams. Well, again, if you missed any of the show, we talked a lot about that with Christian Clemente of Auburn 247. Also talked with Chris Gordy. So we're out of time. We've got one more show this week uh, as we inch closer and closer to uh, Christmas time. We'll have about a week off there at the end of December. We'll talk about that later on. But again, go and catch up on the podcast, ESPNAU.com. Have a great night. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.